Hey, it's Kate. Hey, it's Anissa. Fosco Works has a bonus episode for you today. It's part of a custom podcast called Productivity Confidential, produced in partnership with Citrix. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People. I'm Ted Brown, and this is Productivity Confidential, a custom podcast from Fasco Works and Citrix. We'll hear from industry leaders on how you can use emerging strategies and technologies to unlock employee creativity and productivity at your workplace. My guest today is Dr. Anil Jain, Chief Health Information Officer of Watson Health at IBM. Dr. Jain, welcome to Productivity Confidential. Well, thank you for having me, Ted. Uh, so, Dr. Jane, I wanted to ask you about your journey to get to IBM Watson Health and what you're responsible for at IBM Watson Health as well. Sure, sure. It's a great question. So, you know, when I look back, um, you know, what, what, what in the world is a medical doctor doing at IBM? So, you know, I did my medical school training at a time where we were all in paper charts. We had um, film for our radiology. Um, we had textbooks real textbooks that we would study with, and we had pockets in our coats for all these little books that we would carry around so that we knew how to best take care of our patients. When I arrived for my postgraduate residency training at the Cleveland Clinic, um, this is back in the late 90s, mid-90s, and uh, up to the late 90s, and the technology state in healthcare in general, and as a biomedical engineer in my undergraduate days, I had higher expectations. So when I arrived at the Cleveland Clinic, seeing that we were still on paper, that we were really just looking at um, medical information in a very uh, haphazard, snapshot way. And it wasn't just Cleveland Clinic, but pretty much every hospital and healthcare system in the world at that time. Uh, it was pretty clear that uh, healthcare in general was a little bit further behind um, than in other industries. And then, you know, as the years went on, uh, in the early years as a uh, attending physician at the Cleveland Clinic, I had the opportunity to be involved with the electronic health record rollout um, at the Cleveland Clinic, where we were using for the first time electronic health records to manage uh, in patients' care as well as store their information and then retrieve it later on so that we can make the best decisions um, uh, down the road and share and collaborate with our colleagues who may share that patient for specialty care. And what became apparent very quickly to me was that we were using the electronic health record, but we weren't leveraging all that data that was being generated by every encounter that patients were having. So I set up a small team, a small group at the Cleveland Clinic, where I was a primary care physician and a member of our IT group, where we were leveraging all that data in the back end of the system to safely and securely, through privacy um, methods, uh, start to look for patterns in care that might be important to us, whether it's for clinical research or quality improvement. And one thing led to another and eventually built some technology that became a small company called Explorus, which was a big data analytics company. And in 2009, we spun that company out um, of the Cleveland Clinic and incubated it, um, if you will, uh, with several different health systems and early adopters, um, pharmaceutical companies, organizations that really wanted to be able to leverage data in a more profound way, safely and securely. And then as IBM had been working on their AI initiative called Watson and thinking about how it might apply to healthcare, they were looking for a company to join them uh, in that quest. And in 2015, uh, as IBM Watson Health was formed uh, in February of 2015, uh, we, we were uh, acquired um, into IBM. 
And overnight, I became an IBMer, and I haven't looked back since. So, Dr. Jane, you've seen the exponential growth of data over the last two decades in firsthand. And I wanted to ask you if you saw sort of a big bang for this modern era of data when it comes to healthcare. I think there were three things that I sort of relate to why we've seen an explosion uh, of big data in healthcare. And, you know, whether whether we want to call it a big bang or three small um, little uh, bangs, if you will. But there are, you know, I call it sometimes the, the perfect storm. First, we had significantly more uh, electronic health information um, available, and primarily because of the significant growth of of electronic health record adoption, um, both by providers as well as by hospitals, um, mainly due to a $35 billion uh, sort of investment that the federal government made in getting electronic health record technologies into the hands of, of physicians so that patients could benefit from that technology. Um, at the same time, that was generating volumes of electronic health record information. Um, patient-generated data was increasing. Uh, we were buying uh, fitness devices and smartwatches and things of that sort that generated large volumes of data. And there was a significant um, emphasis on the consumerism of some of this data. For example, the direct-to-consumer genetic testing. Um, that's all generating significant volumes of data of significant different varieties. And in some cases, this data is coming at us pretty quick at a very high velocity if you think about some of the smart beds and smart pumps. So in addition to the the significant explosion of, of large amounts of data, the other thing that happened, the second part of my sort of, you know, perfect storm here, is that the technology sort of caught up uh, with our ability to leverage this data, meaning that for the first time we were seeing big data uh, storage and compute capabilities, uh, things like Hadoop that Explorus, my company I co-founded, was based on, and where we were able to start storing and analyzing data in non-relational databases where the data might not have had any structure, but there were tooling to start figuring and discovering patterns anyway. So, So the technology, the compute and storage capabilities the speed of the computers, the price of memory, price of storage were all coming down to the point where it made it more practical to be able to, to analyze it. Then the third part of the perfect storm became, why do all this? Why look at the data? Why store all this data? It's It was really the fact that we were starting to begin the value-based care journey. Um, you know, when, when times were great and when we didn't have to worry about discovering better ways of doing things. It was generally not that critical for health systems and provider organizations, pharmaceutical companies, and payers and employers to really get a good handle on their health data. Things just sort of got paid for, and care just was rendered, and we were most health systems were getting paid for the volume of care instead of the value. But as soon as value of care was being reimbursed, people needed to start measuring things, and they needed to start measuring what mattered. And so all of a sudden, you had a use case that was accelerating the innovation around big data. So in my mind, um, what I've seen is that there were three things. One, there was an explosion of electronic health information. The second was that there were better tooling and compute storage capabilities uh, for big data in health. And the third was we had a massive use case around the journey to value-based care. I'm really interested in the fact that technology and data generation sort of caught up to each other and hit this inflection point with each other. 
Now, what can the average healthcare provider and what can the average patient get from big data and healthcare? What What's going on behind the scenes? What's something that happens when you go into a hospital that you may not know is being driven by big data, but actually is being helped along by this massive information and analysis infrastructure? For the most part, and I have, you know, I sort of talk to uh, folks at cocktail parties about the fact that most of the time the impact of big data on, on the average patient is sort of uh, indirect. It's invisible to the patient, and maybe in some cases it, it should be. So on the on the operational um, and administrative side, big data is being used to do comparisons and benchmarking and, and really trying to understand the patient's journey, everything from their clinical journey all the way to how much, for example, should an episode of care reasonably cost? How much should uh, a health system be reimbursed by a health plan who may or may not be an intermediary to the true payer of health like the employer. So there's a a large amount of data that's being crunched on a regular basis to sort of draw out some of these these metrics, if you will, that are helping patients uh, get better care, whether they they recognize that or not. Uh, And on the clinical side, which obviously as a clinician, I'm really excited about, but I'm also the most cautious about this area, Patients can feel this directly when a provider, for example, is able to prescribe a specific medication because large population studies show that that particular patient, given all their risk factors and comorbidities, would be better off with blood pressure A rather than blood pressure B. And so this ability, by using big data and creating a real-world understanding of what happens to people when they're on these different medications and these different therapeutic uh, journeys, what might be the best for an individual given not just what the literature tells us, but also what patients like them might tell us? So the ability to compare large amounts of of data that's coming at us, aggregating it, de-identifying it, uh, and then using it to help draw decision support in the doc's office is is a really exciting place. This is a lot about efficiency, it sounds like. Well, efficiency is is an absolutely important part of of health because the one thing we do not want to do and we cannot afford to do is we cannot afford to throw more at the practicing clinicians than what they're already dealing with today. We do not want to add to the burden. So if we're not using big data to make life a little bit more efficient for the provider and the patient and their relationship, then I I think we're going in the wrong direction. So absolutely, it's about efficiency, Ted. We'll be back after a short break and a message from our partners at Citrix. At Citrix, we're working hard to simplify the work experience to transform how people collaborate, create, and innovate. As director of healthcare solutions, I know healthcare organizations need to serve up personalized access to systems, information, and tools that doctors and clinicians need to be productive anywhere, anytime, on any device. And most importantly, they need to do it in a secure, reliable way without getting in the way. This is the future of healthcare delivery, and with a Citrix workspace, you can deliver it today. I'm Christian Boucher, and I'm helping the world work better. Learn more at citrix.com slash fastcompany. Do you think there's a future where big data sort of impacts doctors, doctors and uh, primary care providers, healthcare providers, nurses, everyone who's working in a hospital, working in clinics all over the world. Is there a sort of critical mass where this will make healthcare providers more efficient as a global entity? Is is it moving towards that? It it is in in many ways. um, We've been on this this interesting journey around knowledge um, for some time. 
And I think we now have the opportunity to take all those different stakeholders that you mentioned earlier and start to look at patterns in care and start to think about an individualized treatment plan or a diagnostic pathway for each and every encounter because we can start to look not only at the knowledge-based artifacts like journals and textbooks, but we can look, look at all that data that's been accumulated in the real world. And I think that's a really exciting part of what um, will be an important part of every future healthcare provider, which is, which is not only will they be able to have the benefits of clinical trials and learned people who write textbooks, but they'll really have at their fingertips the ability to understand what happened in the real world and I think for primary care in particular, and I'm a primary care doc part-time these days, um, what's really exciting about, about this in primary care is that there's a lot we have to know in primary care. And so the ability to sort of augment um, our decision-making with the insights from big data and couple that with the insights you can use from the big data with AI algorithms, uh, I think we, we can start to really focus on our relationship with the patient um, and, and go back to that bedside manner that we, we all uh, learn so much about uh, in med school instead of hunting and pecking for information in front of a computer screen in front of a patient. So that's, that's what's most exciting about the future of using, using and leveraging all this data. And then also one last point about this is that, you know, we typically as physicians maybe have um, on, a, on, a, on a good year, maybe uh, have the patient with us for 15 minutes uh, four times a year. What's happening the rest of the time? So the ability for all that information that's being generated when they're not with us um, in the four walls of a hospital or clinic, and be able to use that to help patients make better decisions about their uh, their treatment and their uh, maybe lead to a diagnosis faster is also incredibly exciting because healthcare of the future will not necessarily always be decided uh, in the four walls of a doc's office. I'm wondering if you can talk about how this big data revolution in healthcare might improve the efficacy and the productivity of healthcare providers who may not be working in a large modern hospital, healthcare providers who maybe are more rural, where there's a single clinic somewhere and the, you know, the edge of civilization where they're helping a village or a small town deal with sort of every problem that comes in. How can big data improve that healthcare equity, for lack of a better term? Well, I think there's a couple ways that we're that we're thinking through things around um, the use of big data and coupling big data with AI. Because in in some cases, big data without an ability to extract insight is just noise. So for me, big data plus AI is where the journey um, is is going. So in rural health or in in um, in healthcare where there may not be as many resources, one of the biggest challenges is how do you extend the expertise and insights where there there may not be people to to have those insights and the example might be um, how many um, times in a rural clinic might you decide that your patient may have um, some sort of uh, cancer uh, a malignancy let's say of the breast and the person may have to travel quite a, a distance in order to get an expert opinion but with big data and with the ability to extract insights from that big data through AI, one might imagine that the family physician of the future in a rural clinic is able to, by looking across not just their small population of patients, but an aggregated population of patients through a sort of a shared network of, of, of data, 
be able to really understand what might be happening with this particular individual and also understand what treatment choices might be available locally versus what treatment choices might uh, might only be available at a regional referral hospital of some kind. So the, I, I think the biggest impact to global health and rural clinics here in the U.S. would be the extension of expertise and insight is democratized. Speaking of democratizing access, I want to invert the perspective a little bit and talk about things on the patient side. How can patients leverage tools at their disposal, whether it's consumer-side applications or just better access to their own data that's surrounding their own health, to not necessarily live live healthier lives, but maybe catch things before they go to a clinic or understand that, hey, this is an aberration, my own data about my own health. Is there anything that you're working on that relates to that? The ability for patients to be able to get onto a portal or onto an app and have access to their healthcare data, whether that healthcare data is from their healthcare provider or from their health plan, the ability for that patient now to take that information and use any kind of insight application to understand what their data is telling them, either identifying care gaps, um, medication interaction problems, or the ability to go direct to consumer genetic testing and be able to look at all their genetic data and identify patterns that might warrant further attention by a healthcare professional. Uh, These are all things that patients can do today. In addition, there's a whole host of applications, if you will, where their data that's coming out of their fitness devices or their eating habits uh, can be aggregated to, to, to draw out inferences. Now, what I, I think um, is, is a, an opportunity and, and, and a challenge is, you know, first, if patients had access to all this information and um, were started to leverage some of the insights that big data can tell them, how, how do we know that the applications and the portals and the various organizations that are providing these insights are legitimate? How do we know that they're giving sound medical information? And so that that is a struggle that um, you know IBM and, and others were paying very close attention to it, and we're involved in, in the national dialogue around this space because it's too confusing for patients who now have access to their health information to know what they can and cannot do with that information. Can they aggregate it with and pool it in a way that can help draw out insights? If they do aggregate it, what rights do they maintain? And and could the company that they give the data to, could they go do something with that data that, that was unexpected or unknown to the consumer? So this is a very large question that a lot of us are paying very close attention to because uh, we, we need the trust of the consumer and we need to make sure that the patients who want to participate uh, in this space are not disillusioned because they don't understand um, how that information is being used and how it's providing them value. And, and I think we don't, you know, we don't have a lot of chances to get this right as a society. I think consumer trust is central to healthcare providers do their job. Uh, Dr. Jane, I think this is a good time to wrap up. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the program. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Ted. I'm, I really appreciate your interest in this topic. This conversation with Dr. Jane got me thinking about the need for progress to be matched with the right tools to get something actually productive out of it. So Dr. Jane started out with a pocketbook that was full of notes on his patients. 
and went from that to having sort of rudimentary computer data. And then this massive tidal wave of data hit him, you know, a few years ago where everything was being collected from peripherals, being collected from beds, from hospitals, from everyone around him. And then the tools matched up finally. And then you could get something out of it. You could analyze these things. It's where big data comes into play for healthcare providers. They were given the tools to analyze and actually use the data they were being given to make their lives more productive. And for healthcare providers, productivity means better care, means faster care, means more accurate care. This isn't someone driving faster or someone working more efficiently at a job. It's someone who's trying to help people quicker and help people in a more accurate way and using data to do that, to drive those decisions. So this sort of confluence, this intersection of these, these two things coming together has created this ecosystem where data is driving healthcare decisions and driving more efficient and better healthcare for people. And it doesn't matter whether you're sitting in a shiny hospital in Cleveland or doing clinical work within one person clinic in Texas, this is a tool that can democratize healthcare for everyone. That's all for this episode of Productivity Confidential. Anissa and Kate will be back with a new episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People next week. Productivity Confidential is produced by Fastco Works in partnership with Citrix. Our producer is Joshua Christensen. 